Welcome to the Wellness Hub Podcast, a show dedicated to uncovering the future of healthy living. Each week, we aim to bring you content that supports your personal health journey through insightful conversations with amazing guests. We explore various topics ranging from healthy eating, technology, fitness, mindfulness, and more. Now let's join our host, Drew Mumro, co-founder and CEO of UpMeals, a Vancouver-based food tech startup on a mission to make healthy meals accessible through technology. Hello, and welcome to the Wellness Hub. As always, we're thrilled to have you with us for yet another edition of Wellness Wednesdays. Every single week, we're hosting amazing guests, having insightful conversations into food, technology, mindfulness, entrepreneurship, and more. And as always, we hope you find these conversations valuable and insightful on your own wellness journey. Tonight, we're talking about mental health and the power of connectedness. This past year has opened up the floodgates on conversations surrounding our mental health. We've all been more isolated than ever, and we've all had to make adjustments in learning how to cope with that isolation. What if the ability to help overcome some of the feelings of anxiety and fear that are associated with that isolation wasn't something that you had to seek out, but rather something within you? What if it was as simple as your own breath? Our special guest tonight is an entrepreneur, registered holistic nutritionist, and practitioner of conscious connected breathwork, who has devoted herself to tuning inwards and helping others breathe in their full potential through her guided breathwork practice. We're going to discuss her rich and diverse background in academia, mental health awareness in this day and age, how she discovered the immense healing power through one's own breath, and how we at home can harness this simple yet powerful tool ourselves. I can't wait. As we discuss these important topics, a reminder, please comment with your questions on Facebook, on YouTube, on Instagram, or wherever you're watching. We will be answering audience questions all throughout the show. So without further ado, please welcome our special guest this evening, Satori Clark. Satori, welcome to the Wellness Hub. Thank you, I'm so excited to be here. And, and I want to talk and get right into it about your, your journey. You have such a diverse and rich journey that brought you into the wellness space. I'm curious to know where it started. Have you always had a natural curiosity to focus inward or, or was this something that you realized you were passionate about? Hmm. I absolutely have always been naturally introspective. It's been an innate way that I approach the world. And I do think really that it became somewhat detrimental when we focus too much inward, we can end up ruminating and that very easily can lead to experiences of depression and anxiety. But that lens through which I kind of viewed everything and reflected on my experiences absolutely is what sparked my attention when, say when I was in my nutrition program and we learned about the like just the incredible connection between our enteric brain, which is all of our neural connections in the gut, which there's actually more neural connectivity there than our, our cognitive brain, mm. um, and how that impacted our mood and how we feel. And I that really took me all the way through to when I ended up at Quest doing my bachelor degree there, uh, what really lit me up about looking at what's happening in the brain. Uh, amazing. And I, and mm. I just, I want to talk a little bit about 
some more of the academic background you, you touched on. So you, you earned your, your RHN designation through the Canadian School of Natural Nutrition. And then, you know, I want to talk a little bit about your time at, at Quest. And I think for some of our viewers that might, might not know, uh, Quest is a unique learning institution. They take a unique approach to higher education. So you, you please correct me if I'm wrong, but you don't declare majors, but you instead are focusing on the pursuit of a personalized question. Yes. Um, maybe just tell, tell me a little bit more about what, what your question was and, and how your approach to higher learning sort of influenced your journey. Totally. I So I was looking around at a couple of different options uh, schooling wise and I did one day, they have a preview day, I did one day at Quest and that was just the end of it. I didn't want to learn mm. any other way. So the question that I ended up designing and we put together a huge, like a 60 page paper about this question and all of the literature behind it and how we want to pursue it. And so my question ended up being, what are the mechanisms and consequences of our conscious and unconscious mind? Which is... Wow, <laughs> very... that's a lot, a lot to unpack there. Yeah. <laughs> we, have to, we did have that to define terms. That is a very good question, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, and I, it, a lot of the questions started really broad because you're starting with your general fascination. And the thing that I loved about Quest is that I got to follow my curiosity. So it's a lot of inquisition based learning. The class sizes are about 20 students to a tutor. A lot of it is discussion based. Um, it's really the most incredible program, I think. Um, and yeah, I never would have declared myself as a neuroscience major had I gone to another institution. So it was a beautiful opportunity to, I really started in cognitive psychology and the more I dove, we ended up using a lot of literature reviews and diving into the science and the papers and how to interpret them and what they actually mean. And the more I was looking at psychological experimentation and how you measure human behavior, humans are hard like we are hard to control <laughs> we're hard to like there's lots going on oh there's there's, too, there's so yeah. much going on so yeah. i just got more and more clear that i wanted to know i wanted to have a bit more of an objective thing to look at and measure in relation to our behavior and our well-being and, and and you know they're speaking to how how complex we are and how complex our our brains are and our minds are i mean something that i know you are passionate about now you're 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 further along on this journey is, is, is mental health. And that's something you like to address in your work. It's obviously so much at the forefront now, given how, how, you know, just how difficult the past year and a bit has been. So I, I'm curious from your perspective as someone who's now devoted so much of your, your study and your life to this, what are some of the major misconceptions out there in regards to mental health from, you know, diagnostics all the way through to treatment? Hmm. Oh boy. <laughs> and make sure you curb me if you ever need to, because I feel like I could go on um, about these yes. things. <laughs> One of those topics. I'll, I'll yes. do my best. Yeah. Yes. Um, so this really started back. I, I did a lot of youth work in my early 20s in the community I was involved in. And a couple of the girls that I was mentors to, just watching them go on and off of different pharmaceuticals and experiencing mm -hmm. the, not only the side effects of being on them, but then transitioning off and back on. And it never really solved anything, so to speak. So I think we're very, in the global north, we're very quick to put a Band-Aid on it and especially throw a pharmaceutical at it, um, which I definitely want to make sure I'm clear that 
having that option to use as a crutch or to use as a cast while we allow other things to heal internally, I think is absolutely beautiful that we have access to that and can be utilized really well to support and catalyze healing. However, we typically just throw the Band-Aid on it and then walk away. Mm. So that's one of them that, you know, I'd rather go in and do the surgery and remove what it is that is causing the pain to surface. Um, that said, I, on a much bigger system, I'm actually, it's pretty incredible the parallels I see between breathwork and how COVID, our reaction to COVID has uh, with each other because it's all about our lungs, our respiration, as well as going inward. And we just don't do that. We're so disconnected from our bodies. And I think that also happens in diagnosis. There's a disconnect between the brain and the body, having a cognitive versus a somatic or body-based approach. And really just wanting to offer some ease in to folks who are experiencing any kind of mental health imbalances because the culture that we're part of, this globalized world, the societal structures that we're involved in, it's like this huge pressure system. And these are just, I feel like valves that are busting mm -hmm. and it's not, this is a symptom of something way bigger. So yeah, I'm really like being able to actually tune into the body, um, being able to even really get to lifestyle factors like nutrition. And that was something that I looked at with in, in my nutrition program and how much it influences how we feel. So even having what you've got going on with bringing healthy options and nutrition, through the smart vending is incredible. Just making it that much easier for us to support our health and well-being, And it is systemic, both in the bigger picture and also through our whole body. Amazing. And I love your approach that you're, you're trying to treat the root cause of the issue, not treat the surface level symptoms, which I think so much of our you know, current medical system can be set up to do with the pharmaceuticals mm -hmm. you've referenced. Very important. And, and you know, one thing I want to dive into a little bit uh, more, you touched on this when you were talking about your your question at, at Quest, which is those mechanisms, right? So uh, you've studied quite extensively this relationship between these physical mechanisms in our nervous system and our own psychology. So I, I want to understand and help our viewers understand how these things are linked and sort of how that linkage can manifest itself in our lives. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm watching the clock. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. No, no, no. Take your time. This is amazing. Just which, which avenue do I want to go down? I think the first thing to acknowledge with anything that I share is that we, the more I dove into neuroscience, the more I learned that we, we know so little about the correlation between the neurons that are firing in our brain and our whole body and what they actually mean. So we have incredible development in technology giving us data to create some evidence-based conclusions, but there's a lot of theory that goes on behind it um, to look at different activity in certain parts of the brain and how that's related to certain behavioral patterns or experiences. Um, but yeah, that's just, that's a really big disclaimer is we have so much to learn um, and breathwork can actually be a way that we investigate more about what's happening in the nervous system. So that aside, um, yeah, our nervous system activity is really reflective of the beliefs we hold about life, ourselves and the world. It is to like break it down. I mean, I could go into like 
incredible detail about the exact ions that are being used to be exchanged and, and all the gates involved. But to just do like kind of an overarching simplified version, our nervous system is the communication highway within the body as, and so it's within our body, but it also is the communication system between our external world and internal world. So it's essentially like a game of telephone. If you have you played that, is that familiar? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. So where each neuron is going to communicate something to the one that's beside it, so on and so on. They are way more effective and faster than we are. Um, but the beautiful thing that we have come to know in the in more recent decades is that our neural connectivity can be plastic. It can be strengthened towards one behavior or another. So this, I mean, this occurs when we develop habits. Like when was the last time you had to go across the room and had to think about how to put one foot in front of the other? Like our, our nervous system is designed to systematize things so that we can use our cognitive function to have a conversation or to think about what's next, or, you know, we don't have to think about all of our physical movements. Um, and so as we practice certain things, uh, that we want to have in our lives or even certain beliefs and thoughts we want to have in our lives, we can actually strengthen those things, those physical connections in our body. And then our physical body starts preferring that pathway without us having to like really effort and try to make that what we think. So it, it really, our physical nervous system adapts really well to repeated behavior. Um, yeah. So there, I mean, yeah, is there yeah, any other? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I feel like you, you talking about this is like me talking about food waste. Like there isn't a show <laughs> long enough that will encompass all of our opinions on these like super yeah. important things. But I, I, I love your passion and I want to touch on something you referenced it earlier. And, and this is sort of the, you know, the, the theme of this conversation, which is which is breath work. And I, I want to you know, educate our listeners. This was something that I didn't know a lot about before I started researching in advance of this this interview. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about the work you're currently doing, uh, the technique of, of conscious connected breath work. It's a key methodology. Can you tell our, our listeners what is it and what separates it from, you know, other practices? Yep. Uh, it, there are actually a few forms of breath-based work that are somewhat similar and becoming more and more popular in our day and age. Um, so this one, it's a specific technique for breathing and it is really best done when it's facilitated, when the set and setting are safe and controlled somewhat. Um, yeah, so the idea, kind of going back to what I was saying about Band-Aid and surgery, it's a bit more of a surgical approach where we're allowing the body to actually get into a stress response. We are altering, and these are things that remain to be investigated further, but we are altering blood chemistry. So we're alkalizing the body. We're changing the availability of oxygen, which is absolutely critical for neural activity, which then produces neuroplastic change. And, and then we're also actually altering the way that our blood is circulating in the brain. So we tend, we get into an altered state of consciousness while we go through breath work. And that's, I mean, here's my hypothesizing here, but basically we're seeing less uh, blood flow in the cognitive areas in the prefrontal cortex, everything we use for our executive functioning, um, our logic and reason. And it all really comes back down into kind of the limbic areas and more of the deeper pieces of the brain that are not so close to the um, external areas of the skull. Um, so that allows us actually to go back to older memories because a major function of our prefrontal cortex is actually to inhibit 
scary memories, whether it's old stress, old emotion, old trauma that we didn't really process. And this is our whole biology is designed to interpret, is this safety or is this threat? Can I survive this or do I need to defend? That's the only way it knows to interpret things. So we create a space that is safe that allows us to go back into those experiences, let the body and the nervous system complete the way it wanted to respond. And typically there's some kind of cathartic release, whether it's emotional, whether it's vocal, whether it's movement of the body. Some people will actually go through physical movements. Like um, one of my clients is a climber and they had a really like nearly traumatizing fall, like a really like near death kind of experience. Mm -hmm. And they went back through the exact movements they did um, and we're in an altered state to to let the body like, yeah, to relive it and to let it actually complete. So yeah, the power of breath is that it's an auto automatic thing that we do. It's part of the autonomic service nervous system that we don't have to think about our breath. And yet, like when was the last time you thought about, like consciously thought about a breath you took? You know, yeah, I mean, it's usually when I'm eating and I forget to breathe, um, but, but, and I said, just think about it and take a, take a, take an actual breath and slow down. Yeah. Uh, that's probably the last yeah. time. So, so I guess breakfast, um, but I yeah. mean, yeah, the, uh, you know, I want to, for some of our, for some of our, our, our listeners and our viewers that are interested in this, could you perhaps walk us through like, what would an average session or what would sessions with you be like? What can they expect? Yeah. Yeah. So that's always something that I will preface when someone reaches out to me so that there's some managed expectation. But essentially, they'll come in, I will I have an intake form um, with a lot of in depth questions, because really, the people that I'm wanting to work with and offer this to are people who are ready to go inward are ready to like ready to resolve some things ready to lean into some things and sit with discomfort so that it can be released. So there's some in-depth questions. And so we'll kind of review those things, just have a bit of dialogue about what their intention is what their expectations are, how they feel about it. And so then they'll lay down and it kind of is a bit of a guided meditation at the beginning to, to kind of relax and let the body feel at ease. And then we'll begin a guided practice. So I'll start instructing how to do the breath and it will end up kind of looking like a bell curve in the sense that the activity in the nervous system turns more and more uh, to the sympathetic nervous system or stress response. So it'll begin to heighten and that's where we'll find uh, the most intensity in either physical sensation, emotion. Some people have visions, um, reliving certain things. And we always end up guiding people back down. So bell curve up to here. And the most critical part of this whole thing, which happens every session is as a guide, we bring people back down um, back down to parasympathetic, down to deep state of rest. And it's all about uh, reminding our nervous system how to regulate itself properly. So it's reminding the nervous system, yeah, you can go into high stress and let's like, let's be clear, stress is not a problem. It's not a negative thing inherently. It's that we are staying at this high activated sympathetic nervous system activity and not coming down and out of it. So, you know, with breathing when you're eating, you know that that's like restore, repair, digest is when we're in the parasympathetic. So along with we use music as well to help ground into the present moment, but we'll bring people down so that the body learns that it can go up into intensity and come back out of it. And the more we practice that process, it becomes easier and easier for the body to meet stress 
and more quickly return to rest, return to the restore functions of our body uh, that are just, it's natural. Mm. And, and so, you know, that was amazing and so educational and, 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 and amazing for our listeners as well. And so I guess my question to you is seeing how this is kind of an emerging and it's an emerging practice, I guess I'll call it in terms of popularity and, and, and being accepted on mass. So you're at the forefront of this. So how important is your continued and research and education for what you do? I mean, is this something where you feel like you're spending a disproportionate amount of time educating people still, and, and perhaps there's still so much potential that you could unlock with this practice? Yes, to all of the above. Yeah, um, yeah I, I mean, I, I'm a lifelong learner. I know mm -hmm. that about myself. I will probably never call myself like the expert, but um, it's really, I mean, it's a bit of a shame that with COVID, you know, it kind of shut down. I was doing some group sessions here in Squamish as a way of educating and, and building awareness. And they were, you know, we had 16 to 20 people, 20 is kind of the max um, because we want to make sure everyone feels contained and safe and has enough support. So that was, yeah, that was going really beautifully and people were excited and coming back and I was being booked regularly and then COVID hits and nobody wants to breathe anywhere near each other. Yeah. Um, so, my, I mean, I do... A passion of mine is to continue conducting research, is to go on to conduct research, to look at what are the physiological markers. I still don't know what's physically happening in the body that's eliciting these profound transcendental states for my clients. Um, and we don't necessarily need the data because I have, I've seen it at, through experience. It works. It does stuff to the nervous system, changes the way we experience our life on an ongoing basis. It's not just a one-off and I feel great for a day and then I'm back to the same old. It actually creates a lasting effect or that's mm -hmm. what it seems to do. And, and do you have, uh, you know, how do you handle skepticism or apprehensiveness? I mean, anything new. I mean, I, I sell healthy food from a vending machine. I deal with this every day. Um, <laughs> you know, so, so how do you deal with a skepticism from people who, who might not see the value right away? And, and how do you approach the, uh, that, that sort of a mindset? Yeah, I, that's a lot of why I am approaching it with a neuroscience lens, because that's a language that people who tend to be skeptical feel more comfortable with. So, it's pretty, I kind of get excited actually, if someone is skeptical, but open enough to try it, open enough to like actually give it a shot and actually surrender to the process and just completely engage. They're some of my favorite ones because they're the ones that'll turn out and be like, what was that? Like just blown away. So I've, I've got a few testimonials from some clients that were like, yep, completely cynical and skeptical. And we're just blown away by what our bodies are capable of and the healing capacity that if we like literally just breathe, it shows yeah, up. Yeah, and, and those are the, that's really, that's that's your that's your why, that's why you're doing this, is to help to help those people that might be skeptical and realize there's a, a whole world of potential. And those are always the best moments as, a, as an entrepreneur, yeah. I find, when you have that skeptic and all of a sudden they walk out of that experience totally, totally enlightened and awakened as to like what the potential is and, and yeah. you've created that. So kudos to you for building that and empowering that. I'm, I'm so impressed. Um, you know, and I want to touch on something that you touched on kind of in your initial answer, which is the world we live in, it, it's so globalized. Uh, our de dependence our society has on, on our technology. 
ironically, as we're connecting through technology now, uh, but, but on <laughs> our smartphones, on, on, on healthier forms of connectivity, you know, what advice or tips do you have to our viewers to help them tune out this noise and sort of maintain that sense of calm amidst all of the stimuli and, and the inputs that are coming at them? Oof. Uh... No, no pressure. Yeah. <laughs> no pressure at all. I mean, just solve everybody's problems with a little tiny practice. Yeah. Um, it really, it astounds me how, I mean, even, even in a nutrition standpoint, how low of a priority it is for people. It, it blows me away where we literally are what we don't excrete or detoxify. So it's a step further from we are what we eat. We're actually what we don't get rid of. Um, and we don't release, which works for breath work as well. So I think really my encouragement is to prioritize even a one minute a day practice. And obviously I'm gonna recommend breath, uh, but it doesn't have to be conscious connected breath. There's, there's so many different techniques that we can use. And so even giving yourself a minute of just breathing in for five and exhaling for five and do that for a whole minute what that's gonna do is actually activate the parasympathetic, our rest, digest, our, if we're looking for that calm or that stillness. And the more that you practice it, the easier it's gonna be for in that moment of stress or when you're like partway through your to-do list and don't have enough time, the more that we practice this skill in that one minute a day, it's gonna be so much easier to tap into it when we actually need it. It's, you know, I'm a climber and I also do strength training because when I really need my muscles to be strong and get me through something so that I don't fall, mom, I, mom if you're listening, don't listen to this part. So when I take a whipper or when I take a big fall, you know, if my muscles are built and strong, I can move through that when I most need it, but I do the work on the outside of it. So really, yeah, prioritizing a simple breath practice, whether that is the long inhalation, exhalation, there's box breathing, um, even practicing gratitude is actually, there's a lot of evidence to show how effective that is. And giving yourself like for a week, you're gonna practice this one thing and checking in to see how it feels. Like it's all about coming back to how does this feel in my body? How does this work for my body? That's the same approach I had with nutrition is it's not a one diet fits all. We have to actually tune into how our body responds. So yeah, just small and small practices, a minute, five minutes, like, and whatever time it doesn't have to be first thing in the morning, but just making that a thing that happens every day. I hope all of our viewers right now are taking deep breaths as they're listening to you, uh, educating them on these amazing, these amazing practices. And, and I guess my question for you, and this is something I always am so curious about with with entrepreneurs and and people that devote themselves to others. I mean, you're you're a, a guide, a healer. You're essentially devoting yourself to serving others, to helping others. So when it comes time to take care of yourself and, and maximizing your own potential, you know, how, how do you make those decisions to be aligned and in tune with yourself and what you need when so much of your time is spent helping others? Hmm. That is a great one. Um, and it's, it's, it's a tough one for, it's like entrepreneurs and you're your healers. So it's like a double whammy, right? Yeah, so totally, I, I, totally. I'm looking forward to your response. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so grateful for that question. Um, and I do just want to hit on the only way that I would call myself a healer is for my own, my own healing. So when someone comes in to see me, 
I am a guide for their own healing. And it really like this breath is so beautiful because I can be a witness and guide certain things in the breath, but it's them showing up and actually breathing that does it. So, um, I mean, in that way, the practices that I have to maintain my own health is making sure that I create space in my day. And I am not, I'm not a creature of habit and routine. So, you know, some mornings it's immediately taking my dog out for a walk and having peace and calm. Other mornings it's sitting with a hot beverage and maybe journaling and reflecting, having some gratitude. Um, a lot of the times it involves breath work because mm. it's, it's just something that's so profound for me. Um, but it's about creating a relationship with my body in, in a way that is reverent and trusting about my body has information to give me rather than it's doing something to me or my reactions are not what they should be or I shouldn't feel this way. But cultivating curiosity about my experience and that, I mean, as an introspector, that just flows all through my day. Wow. And, and one thing I want to touch on it kind of in addition to that, and you touched on it briefly, but one thing we love talking about here is it, on, on the wellness hub and, and throughout meals is, is the power of, of food, how the healing power yes. of good nutrition and food and just how awesome it is. And, and so I, I want to ask you, you know, how important is it in your opinion to have, you know, proper nutrition um, and, and how does it impact our, our minds and some of the transformations that, that you practice? Mm -hmm. It is huge. It is. I mean, it's where I started in my exploration with my body. The, the first sort of cleanse that I did um, with a dear friend and, and for a time we were colleagues in the nutrition world. Um, the first cleanse that I did with her, it was, I was blown wide open of like, oh, that mental fatigue and exhaustion and low energy that I feel like isn't normal or I don't have to experience that. So it's it's hugely critical to all ways that we feel. Um, and breath, the, you can combine it with breath work where just like you said, taking a deep breath before, during and after your meals helps to activate digestion. If our digestion isn't working properly, we're not even gonna get the nutrients from our deeply nutrient dense food. Um, if we, it's really like the impact of stress on our body, uh, it elicits so much inflammation and that only ever exaggerates disease. And so yeah, nutrition in tandem with making sure we are bringing our nervous system down to properly digest and utilize all of those things we're ingesting is, yeah, it's hugely critical. Awesome. And we have a question coming in actually from the audience. This is from Instagram related to food. So we'll, we'll ask this one right away. As an RHN, yeah. do you have some tips for diets or types of foods that help with mental health? Oh boy. Um, the main thing I would say is balancing blood sugar levels. And so stepping away from highly processed foods and eating it all. It's always about eating real whole foods, making your diet really based on that. And the more we can balance our blood sugar levels, it drastically imp impacts our serotonergic pathways, our moods and like upswings and downswings. And it helps. So when we ingest too much sugar and processed food, it creates a whole host of work. Essentially, our body looks at that as toxic, as this is a toxin, this white sugar, it's a toxin, I need to get it out. And that requires nutrients and enzymes that otherwise would go towards the health of our cells. And so our mental health is not just in our brain, it's the entire cellular network in our whole body. 
Um, so yeah, being whole foods based and really making sure that you're keeping blood sugar levels balanced. So, you know, when we have some kind of a treat, making sure it's balanced with a little bit of fat, a little bit of protein and some fiber. Um, I love cookies. I will not like, I cannot deny that. I absolutely adore cookies and the cookies that I make, they're, they're ridiculous. They're full of protein and fiber and good fats and low glycemic sweeteners and natural sweeteners. So yeah, keeping it really simple and making sure you enjoy it. Like good, healthy food can be delicious and it should be delicious. Rant if you, food. if you ever, yeah, no, you can keep, keep going. I mean, <laughs> if, if, if you ever want to send any of those cookies down to the Upmills office, I can uh, oh, send for you sure. the address. Yeah. Yeah, we won't say Sounds no, good. Uh, just purely research purposes, of course. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah. See if you know um, what I'm talking about. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, we've got a question coming in from uh, YouTube as well. Uh, this is a question about your practice. What is box breathing? Yes. So it's a very, it's a really great one, actually, if you are noticing you're in a triggered reactive response to something or just feel flustered or high stress. Um, if you're having, like if your nervous system is overstimulated in an anxiety response, it is a great way to calm the, the nervous system down, especially because it requires your cognitive mind to focus on something. So, and people can do it right now. So you would inhale for a count of four, hold it at the top for a count of four, exhale for a count of four and hold again for a count of four. Mm -hmm. Within those 16 seconds, you have activated the parasympathetic nervous system. Like it happens that quickly. So do that for a whole minute. Um, and it's it, it can drastically change how you can interact with something. It's gonna get your cognitive functioning back online. You'll go, your blood flow is gonna move towards the cerebral cortex so that you can actually think through what's going on rather than just being in a totally reactive state. Awesome. That was a, a perfect answer to that question and very valuable. That was an awesome tip. We have a question. We touched on this earlier, but I think it would be best to revisit it um, about Quest. I think some people hmm. are very interested in Quest. Could you, I explained it very probably crudely. <laughs> can, can you just explain to our listeners again, what is Quest for those that are interested in, in your story yeah. and, and how to participate in something similar? Yeah, it's, I mean, I think the beauty of that institution is that the the quality of students who were there who wanted to learn um who wanted to engage with what they were curious about there was so much passion and dedication to what what we were there to do to learn to um and then having the small class sizes it's a specifically an interdisciplinary program so when you have a small class size of 20 students there's a lot of discussion basis that comes through on every class and you end up engaging. I would engage a lot with, um, with social science majors and folks who were studying social justice and social determinants of health. And it really shaped the way that I approach, I mean, everything, but shaped the way that I approach neuroscience is being, it's really, it's a degree in being a critical thinker. And that has implications for any job, any situation, any relationship that you end up being in. Um, and the tutors are just, they're phenomenal. So you end up getting, um, you you tap into a mentor who is with typically within the field that you are wanting to kind of dive into. And they see you through, you actually, it's an honors program essentially, because you end up writing a thesis. So. I did mine a 50 page scientific paper and 
very basic uh, pilot study of the qualitative analysis of people's experiences with breath work because I wanted to know if it was just me that had these experiences or so, you know, I got to use all of the tools, the stats classes that I did, the research design that I did, you actually get to apply it. And um, there's just, there's so much more engagement and just check it out, do a preview day if they do that with COVID going on. But mm. yeah, it's a beautiful program. Plus the view from the cafeteria is probably one of the best views in Squamish. Good Incredible. Knowledge. Wow. Uh, so, so many takeaways here for our listeners tonight. I'm, I'm so grateful for all of your, your insights. I'm going to ask you a question that we love to ask everybody being, uh, you know, a, a chef at heart and uh, yes. being an up meal sponsored podcast. What is your favorite go-to meal? Oh my gosh. That is the hardest question you've asked I this know, whole time. I know. Right. <laughs> hard, hard hitting on the, at yeah. the end here. I go, I definitely go through cycles. Like if I'm in, if I'm in a taco cycle, I will almost have tacos for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, oh, currently my favorite go-to meal. I've been doing a lot of, um, like peanut ginger satays and, and things like that. So just a lot of fresh veggies and I like flavor. So I throw a lot of flavor in there. Flavor to the max. Always. always. Um, <laughs> uh, amazing. Well, Satori, uh, where can our listeners go? You've got such an incredible story you've shared with us tonight. Where can our listeners go to learn more about you and the great work that you're doing? Yeah, I am. I use really Instagram as the main platform. It's the one that feels the best for me to interact with. So I'm at Satori Clark. And then I have a web page as well that dives into more of the literature and there's all kinds of scientific resources on there to look at not only breath work, but the nervous system and how you can tap into it. And it's simply satoriclark.com. Fantastic. Uh, everybody, please check out these resources if you want to learn more about the fantastic work that Satori is doing. Thank you so much for joining us here tonight. Thank it was you. an absolutely, absolute pleasure getting to know you. Um, and thank you for sharing your story with us. Thanks, Drew. Wow. The power of your own breath, a subconscious task with a tremendous capacity to heal. So fascinating to hear Satori dive into the science of how our body and brain react to these seemingly simple practices. And I think it goes without saying that we love talking about wellness here on the Wellness Hub, but I was particularly taken with this radical and fascinating approach to it. And we're certainly thankful for people like Satori who devote themselves to discover and unlock new ways that we can all heal. I think it's safe to say that we owe it to ourselves to leave no stone unturned when it comes to improving our mental health and every time I discover a concept like conscious connected breathwork, I get excited. Uh, I get excited at the potential role that it might play in helping me be my best self. So it's our hope that enlightening conversations like the one today may guide you towards discovering the resources you need in your life to unlock your full potential. As we discussed, our world today has become so globalized that it moves so fast and getting in tune with yourself and creating time to unplug and slow down, it's not easy. And that's precisely why it's so important. So I ask you, what is your mental health routine? What are you doing every day or every week that brings you peace and brings you joy? Is there anything at all that you're doing? The most common excuse, of course, is I don't have time. And I hope this conversation with Satori has made you realize that, in fact, you do. And you should make time. So many of us get caught up in our responsibilities. We devote our days to our jobs, our partners, our kids, our friends. And it's time to prioritize yourself as a responsibility. 
if not in service of yourself, then at least in the service of all the people that count on you too. Because the truth is you'll be a better employee, better partner, a better parent, and a better friend if you learn how to focus on your own needs every once in a while, at least once a day. So I encourage you all to check out and support Satori Clark and learn more about her practice and all of the resources she offers to help people connect to themselves. Thank you for tuning in tonight. And if you'd like to see more great conversations like this, please remember to like, comment, and subscribe or follow us on YouTube, Instagram, or LinkedIn at Upmeals. We'll see you right here next Wednesday evening on the Wellness Hub for another great conversation. I'm Drew Monroe. Until then, 